Hi there, and welcome to this episode of the Love to Tell the Story podcast. I'm Michael Lowry, pastor of East Congregational United Church of Christ in Concord, New Hampshire. Arguably, the most famous sermon ever delivered in all of American history was preached by one Jonathan Edwards on July the 8th, 1741 at Enfield, Connecticut. It was a sermon entitled Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God, and as the title suggests, it was a powerful evocation of God's vengeance upon wicked unbelievers and about the torments of hell. This was, in fact, the very sermon on which our expression, hellfire and brimstone preaching, became coined. Historians say that Edwards' preaching of the sermon was so powerful that it caused members of the congregation in Enfield to scream, faint, cry, and gasp right there in the pews. It also served to spark the beginnings of perhaps the greatest spiritual revival in American history, that which is often referred to as the First Great Awakening, a cultural shift that most historians see as at least one major factor that led, albeit indirectly, to the eventual war for American independence. But here's an interesting sidebar to that story. Apparently, this wasn't the first time Edwards preached this particular sermon. He'd, in fact, already delivered it three times. The first time for the congregation of the church where he was currently serving as pastor in Northampton, Massachusetts. But here's the thing. It's said that when Edwards preached this message about sinners in the hands of an angry God before his own congregation, those folks listened politely. They ho-hummed and yawned, and then they went home. In other words, amongst his own parishioners, there was scarcely any notice of what he'd preached. It was likely the kind of sermon that they'd heard time and time again from their pastor, and as such, nothing new. This very same message that was heard elsewhere that had caused such a stir. But then this really shouldn't have surprised us too much. For whereas familiarity doesn't always breed contempt, familiarity almost certainly leads to complacency. And quite honestly, pastorally speaking, it goes with the territory. Most preachers will tell you how difficult a thing it can be to speak boldly and prophetically to all those people in the congregation who you've come to know and love over the years. Because at the same time you're wrestling with the real possibility of your sermon upsetting these good, loving Christian people before you, they're sitting in the pews totally used to you and used to everything you have to say as a preacher. And thus, they become pretty much unflappable. I remember early on in my ministry, I had it in my heart to preach boldly and assertively regarding a small ethical issue that had arisen in the church. And friends... I can tell you now that I was so moved on that particular issue that I was really going to give it to him. I mean, I was going to stand up in that pulpit and I was going to bring forth the hellfire and brimstone in great abundance. Or anyway, as much hellfire and brimstone as a 24-year-old mainstream congregational pastor, fresh out of seminary, by the way, could muster. But I was determined, for this was a matter at least to me, of faith and conviction, and I would not be silenced. And come the following Sunday, I preached that sermon. And you know what? I'm not sure anybody even noticed. <laughs> After worship, there were still the smiles, handshakes, and hugs that greeted me every Sunday morning. I seem to recall being invited to go out to lunch. 
In fact, as I recall, everyone went on and on about what a nice sermon I'd given that day. Doggone it. That wasn't what I wanted to hear. I'd expected anger. I expected outrage. I anticipated righteous indignation that I would dare make hamburger out of one of their sacred cows. And what I got, well, 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 there was Alberta. Alberta, God rest her soul. The woman I used to call Sunshine because she always was right there smiling in the pews. Her eyes closed every Sunday in joyful anticipation of what the Spirit might bestow in that time of worship. Just this little bit of a woman. And that day, she leaned very close to me. She took my hand in hers. And she said very quietly, That was very nice, dear. But don't, you don't want to do that too often. People might not like it. Oh, well. Actually, you know, looking back, I've always kind of wondered why that particular sermon didn't, as they say, land the way it should have. Was I too forceful? Not forceful enough? Could the congregation not get past the sight of a neophyte baby-faced preacher up there in their pulpit? Or maybe, after all was literally said and done, did it turn out that what I had to say was a message all too familiar to their ears, and thus a truth that was easily brushed aside? Believe it or not, that's one of the big challenges that comes with preaching the Word of God. It's dealing with the familiar. Because even those with a rudimentary knowledge of the Bible and Christian tradition can pretty much give you the basics. That we are created and loved by God. That God so loved the world that in the fullness of time he sent his son Jesus to, to be the atonement for our human sin. So that we may not perish, but have eternal life. Moreover, I think that mostly we get that things like hatred, injustice, sin, and evil are bad, and that peace, joy, justice, and morality is good. And I think we all kind of know, at least inherently, that we're to love one another as Christ has loved us. Most of us, especially those of us who grew up in the church, have heard all these things from childhood. Moreover, they're the vows of our baptism as Christians. Friends, we're all familiar with these things. This is stuff that we already know. But the question is, is it our reality? Yes, that's the real question. And, and what it is that as a preacher continues to keep me busy from Sunday to Sunday. Because yes, we read the gospel and we hear Jesus' words. But do, do those words represent for us something more than the quaint advice of an ancient text? Or do they offer a truth that cuts like a knife into our lives and into our living? Do we sense the consequences of Jesus' teaching for the here and now? Does it determine for us that which is right and wrong? Does Jesus set before us what we need to know to make the good and moral and ethical choices for ourselves and our relationships? And as they're before us, do we take them seriously? The thing is, friends, it is all right there before us. Everything we need to know to live the faithful life. All the tools that are necessary to do what we need to do as disciples of Jesus Christ. Now, granted, it's not all black and white. 
Oftentimes, we do have to discern for ourselves the truth of the gospel. And very often, we have to struggle through some of what makes us uncomfortable in that process. That's why faith is a journey and not a destination. But mostly, you see, in and through that journey, it's really living unto what we already know, what we've always kind of known. And truthfully, that can be scary at times. Because, friends, ultimately, it's not what we don't know or understand about our faith that makes us afraid. It's what we already do know and understand about our faith that makes us afraid. Jesus came, you know, that we might never be complacent as to our relationship with God and our faith in the world. The very presence of Christ is meant to shake us out of the societal and cultural molds that lead us to everything except God. Indeed, you and I are meant to live unto a faith that is holistic in nature. It is not meant to be relegated to the practice of religion on a Sunday morning, nor is it to be expressed only within the silent confine of our own hearts. We are meant to proclaim that which we believe by how we live, to show forth that faith in the places where we dwell, amongst the people, all the people that God loves and that God claims is his own. And if you happen to be thinking right now that there's nothing new about that, that that's something we all know, well, you're right. But we do need to be reminded. And that's one reason for preaching and, well, for that matter, a reason for this podcast. Because ultimately, you see, it all comes down to living that which we already know. It's faith that makes us who we are. It's faith that drives what we do. And it's faith that calls us to truly live today and tomorrow and from season to changing season, from age to age the same. So might it be for each one of us today, beloved. Might we truly live what we already know. And that brings us to the close of this episode of the Love to Tell the Story podcast. I'm Michael Lowry, and I thank you for listening today. And until next time, stay safe, be well, and may God bless you with a great day every day. We'll talk to you soon.